I hit it. Okay. I hit the button. <laughs> I pressed it. Why are you being weird? <laughs> I don't know. I was. I felt so far away from my computer in that moment. I had to do a full body crunch to get into position to like, press record. It almost felt like you were ready to start, but had forgotten that hitting record was a thing you needed to do. Yep. Well, that's possible. <laughs> Welcome to the Damage Control Podcast. I'm Ryan, and with me as always is a man who, um, is a man. Here's John. That represents the limits of our creative potential today. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter at DamConPod, as well as Facebook and Instagram by searching for Damage Control Podcast. Today we're reviewing the rebookal of the Ocean series, which was itself based on the 1960s Rat Pack film. We'll be talking about Oceans 8, but first, John did something again. Possibly he locked himself out of something? No. I don't know. It's mysterious. Why did, why did your mind immediately go there? <laughs> well, I feel like there's been a couple stories recently of you yeah. like locking yourself out. So Yeah, twice in the past, maybe what, like month and a half? Month? No, month, I think, in the last four weeks. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. We'd have to go look at the record, but we're in between interns at the moment. <laughs> in case you can't so tell, what? listeners, we're recording in the morning, so I've got my, my morning voice going on, and these are the first oh. words that I've spoken to another human being. It's great. So what is it that you uh, did again? No, you tell me. Or is it that you're just being <laughs> kind and don't want to rub it in? No, I don't, I don't know. I literally don't know what it is can't that you think did of again. Man. Uh, I feel like, basically, in answer to this question, I can admit that I think I've come up with my own Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon bit. You bumped someone from the show again? We don't bump people from the show. Uh, not people. Maybe something that I have said twice that I was going to do very vehemently. Oh, right. And once you again, said forgot. you were going to do... You didn't mm-hmm. do a Geek Media Minute again. The, exactly. The, the supplemental episode, the bonus episode. Yeah, we, we ran out of time for Matt Damon. It didn't happen. Uh, yeah, and it, the exact same thing happened. Like, I said it on the show, felt confident about it, thought about uh, when I was going to do it, and then once we press stop on a recording, I proceeded to not think about it another time. So there's this thing that you have called a smartphone. And on that smartphone are things called apps. And in within the apps that you have on your phone, uh, there is a calendar and there's also a reminders app. And it would be not that difficult for you to program in things to remind you to That's, do things. Seems like, like a lot of technical painstaking work. <laughs> I don't know if I'm for that. You could even you could even ask Siri to do it for you. Just say, "Hey Siri, set a reminder for me to do Siri, the Geek Media Minute." Siri and I are not on on good terms. We have suspended our talking relationship. Uh, don't you have an an Amazon Alexa device? Not he- no no. That was my roommate's. Sadly, I'm Alex. Oh. I'm Alexa-less. Got it. 
Quit trying to well, use technology well. to solve all my problems, Ryan. Technology is going to be the thing that ruins us, and you know it. Hmm. Just saying, there are there are easy. You could write a sticky note and put it on, uh, a like the when you imagine the the What's your freezer. When you when you imagine your freezer, the inside mm-hmm. of your freezer, and the the box of hot pockets okay. for each day of I the week. I haven't had a hot pocket you in could. six weeks. <laughs> okay, you could put a sticky note on your Tupperware that's marked for Friday with your butter chicken or something. Did um, I tell you that I made butter chicken, or are you just picking something out of your ass? Ooh, that's not, that was gross. I was trolling. That was gross. I was trolling. I was trolling through our shared Google search history looking Damn for it, something. Damn it, I'm pretty good because you embarrass yourself enough <laughs> that I've gotten pretty good about switching the account over to my personal account <laughs> and not the podcast account because the podcast account doesn't need to know that I am making keto diet butter chicken, which turned out <laughs> amazingly well. Thank you. I also made chicken salad for the first time. I'm just breezing past the previous topic that was about my ineptitude. Mm-hmm. Just going right past it. It's not important. All right. It didn't happen. And it will never happen again. So help me, podcasting gods. Until it happens again. Exactly. <laughs> no, wait. And when you say it will never happen again, are you promising yes. to never to never promise <laughs> exactly. that you're going to do it again? Uh, or in, that you will promise, but when you promise, you will deliver? It is one of those two options, or possibly it is both. <laughs> well, I'll let be both. you be the judge. It can be. In a multiverse, <laughs> no, if it can one, be anything. If, well, there are, yes, there are, in the multiverse. There are different realities yes. occurring. One in which that I'm true to my word, and I record a standalone Geek Media Minute, and the crowd goes wild with exaltations. And then there's another alternative reality, which is this prime reality where I, I say things and I do nothing. That is the reality I am most comfortable with. The other thing, too, is that, like, like I like the Geek Media Minute when you do it. I think it's very funny. But uh, Except I also one time think you that... referred to them as dad jokes, and since then my my psyche has been a little damaged. <laughs> well, that sometimes tr- there, that are, sometimes me, there are dad jokes That in triggered there. me. <laughs> I feel very triggered. I'm delicate. Well, I'm just saying the, the the alternative to the Geek Media Minute, which I also think works very well, is when you just pull like three or four stories and we chat about them. And that doesn't seem like that much work. In a, well, hold on here. In a perfect world, though, why not both? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Are you a person who well, likes multiple? Too long. How do you feel? Oh, okay. Well, this is going to be a long one now. I've decided. <laughs> I'm dug in. I'm doing it. Um, when 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 it comes to multiple exclamation points or question marks, obviously not in a form of technical writing because that doesn't fly. But uh, are you a, are you a fan of two or of three, possibly four? Sometimes. That seems excessive. It depends. You don't have a it depends a, on what it is. You don't have a method to your madness. There's not like a like you go back and forth between using two or using three. No, it's not like uh, the text message "Hey" and how many Y's you put on it means different things. It's, for me, it's not like that. It's just however many times I press the exclamation point, and it, that all depends on how excited mm. I am. But it, I don't put a lot of thought into the it. The number of Y's in my "Hey" is directly correlative to the uh, influence that I'm under. If you catch my drift. I really. heard a whole I thing once that. that like if it's two or three Y's that's like sexy time hey yeah. and if it's only one Y then it's just hello right 
That's correct. I never would have picked up on that. Hmm. How did we get here? Uh, How did the topic? Speaking of sexy here? time. Speaking of, <laughs> of sexy time. Hey, Natural transition. Uh, <laughs> you experienced something weird last night that doesn't have to do itself with sexy time, but is tangentially well, related. It is tangentially related. Yeah, I'm actually super pumped to tell the story because it's pretty funny and it's fresh on my mind. Um, I had the distinct pleasure of going to my first like arena football game, except it's not the arena football league which is a thing but this is like at least one tier down i don't know i don't know how the world of indoor football works but this is like the indoor football something league it's like minor league football and they play indoors right basically Uh, yeah i mean it's just it's different it's not 11 v 11 this was like 8 v 8 i think um i didn't Hmm. i didn't often count yeah i'm pretty sure it's 8 v 8 um but yeah i mean the rules are slightly different and the game is meant to work a little faster uh because you don't have there's no out of bounds there's like boards like in hockey padded boards um so you know there's some heavy hitting and the field is carpeted instead of like being some kind of turf and man i'll tell you like we were in okay so my my friend's dad um is part of an investment group that uh so he's like a a part owner of this franchise called the texas revolution and no i have no idea we had this conversation i'm not sure if that's supposed to be a reference to like the texas revolutionary war with mexico or if it's just like america you know like i i because the 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 mascot very confusing is a cannon you know, a, a, a furry cannon thing that on either like below the hip area, it's got these two, you know, a bulbous kind of thing on either side that's supposed to be a wheel, but they kind of look like testicles. And in a moment of genius, I uh, challenged my friend Eric. Uh, I told him I'd give him $5 if he embraced the cannon and fondled its wheel nuts. And uh, he delivered, and I feel pretty good about that. That's not that has nothing to do with the story that I planned on uh, telling. Pick, That's just something uh, that happened. Picks or it didn't happen, my friend. <laughs> yeah, there were there were no there was no pictorial evidence here. But uh, anyway, Aww. so uh, I'm at this game, and we're in the president's box, and all that means Ooh. is that, um, so like in hockey, like where the team would be sitting, that's kind of what the president's yeah. box was. And so uh, it's pretty sweet. So we're like right there, like uh, right on the edge, front row. And this is, it's a small little, uh, it's in Frisco at the the Dr. Pepper Center, where the stars practice. Um, So, uh, I mean. Oh, so they like covered over the ice with. Well, no, the the stars practice facility is on one side, and this, where it's also where the Texas Legends play, which is like the, the NBA G League team that feeds into the Mavericks. Anyway. A lot of sports talk on the podcast today. Uh, Anyway, so it's actually really cool. We were very close. I mean, like, if you're not paying attention and a play comes to you, like, you risk, you know, making contact, accidental contact. Did you get hit by any sweat? No sweat. No sweat. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Mm. the play definitely came in our direction many a time. It was pretty pretty entertaining. Mm. It's also, I mean, just hearing the sound effects, too, like, on a kickoff hearing the rumbling the and it's you know like you imagine 
there's three fewer players, but it's super loud. It was amazing. Uh, I would be terrified once I caught that ball and I wouldn't catch that ball. Uh, if I heard that noise coming at me, I'd just be like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> take a knee right here and we're going to move on. Cause I don't, I don't want to risk that. Uh, anyway, so, you know, this is a small time thing. The, the audience was comprised mostly of kids, you know, like this is a, probably a cheap activity to take your kids to in the summer when it's like, I don't know what to do with them, but we have to get out of this house, you know, like parents who are struggling to find some kind of activity. I would also guess that there are like a lot of like, uh, you know, these are people, these are young men who are trying to keep the dream alive, you know, playing some semi-professional football. Uh, my understanding is they make about 20 grand for the season. So they're obviously, this is not their full-time gig. They're doing some other stuff. Uh, so I would imagine there are also like a lot of players, family in the, in the stands but you know there's probably less than like i don't know i'm not good at estimating crowd size but probably 500 to a thousand people kind of spread out throughout this thing um so in the program because we had a free program because we were in the president's box anyway they had like a schedule of all their halftime shows and for the game that we were at which was the last regular season game it said cowboy monkey vasectomy giveaway now there was a lot of confusion there uh and that confusion didn't clear up because cowboy monkey we thought that might be like the halftime performance that never materialized so something happened to the cowboy monkey but we were there was never a cowboy monkey i guess not or there was and something just something happened to it i i have no idea uh, that's all spe- wild speculation. Maybe, maybe the mo- mo- maybe the monkey really wanted to be a pirate that day, and so they just sent him home. I don't get that. Is that a thing? What's happening? Like you know, like when you're a kid and they want your and like your parent picks your Halloween costume for you, and you're like, "Well, I don't want to be a cowboy. I want to be a pirate." Oh, I thought there was a deeper reference there. Not your best work. No. Not your worst. All right, fine. Just continue with the damn story. Okay. So, turns out, and so I, I haven't mentioned my friend, uh, his dad, who is a part owner, is also doing the PA work because the normal PA announcer um, is like double booked himself or something, and so he has to fill in. But my my uh, friend's dad, he's got a great radio voice. He actually does a weekly radio show in the Dallas area. I don't know what. I don't know what station it's on anyway, but he does like motivational speaking and he's written a book on sales and you know, like he's, he's got a really great announcing voice. Uh, I'm very jealous. And that's one thing I'm looking forward. The only aspect of aging that I'm looking forward to is the likelihood that my voice becomes deeper and more gruff. That makes me very excited. I don't know if you've thought about that, but anyway, it's something I'm interested in. I haven't. Um, yeah, right. he's got a great announcing voice, so he's doing all the PA work. And with this small, you know, uh, league that is doing everything it can to make money, there are so many announcements happening. I mean, he's 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 got so much kind of worked in that he can't get down in distance. I mean, there's too much, you know. He's everything that happens on the field, like a flag or a ball goes in the stands. It's sponsored, and it's like the oh we have an internet marketing image flag on the field and it's like wow that's that's excessive (laughs) and that happens every time or uh yeah everything's sponsored but he keeps having to tease ahead that at halftime they're giving away 
a free vasectomy. So this thing that we've seen in the program, not a lie. It's actually happening. And we're like, how is this possible? I keep making jokes about it because it's making me laugh quite a bit. This is the most wheels off like <laughs> halftime promotion I have ever heard of. But every time they bring it up, every time uh, Steve brings it up in his announcement, people are there's some enthusiasm building because again, mostly young kids with their young parents who are probably like, "Yep, never having kids again." So part of me wondering wonders like, how are they even going to make this work? Well, it comes down to the fact they have a game planned, Ryan. Like, this isn't just like a draw a ticket uh, number, a seat number, and congratulations, you get a free vasectomy. They have (laughs) fathers and one of their kids. They have like, I don't know, maybe six dads, and each of them have one of their kids with them. And the dad is going to be the quarterback, the kid is going to be the receiver, and they're playing against... This is where it gets even weirder to me, because, like, it's halftime, the team should be resting, you know, like, recuperating and, and, you know, preparing, doing some game planning for the second half. They have, like, their starting safety out there, who's got a resistance band wrapped around his legs, uh, and so he has to hop to defend the pass. And so, like, the dad and the kid have, like, two attempts to score. They're, I don't know where they put him, probably, like, on the five-yard line or something. Uh, and I don't remember how exactly it played out, but I think like, you know, they went through two rounds, so they limited some people in the first round and then they had, uh, you know, the winners of the first round go again to determine who gets to have their vast deference cut. And it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> and like, just to think that the kids are participating in this, like, you know, like I caught a fade in the end zone, and now my dad won't have to worry about having another uh oh kid. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and the kid, the number of times the phrase vasectomy was said, a shocking number of times. I've never heard that word uttered so many times in my life. Uh, all 34 years, I've never once been in a situation where the word vasectomy was said so many times. I'm sure those kids had no idea. Dad, what are we winning? A vasectomy is that like an appliance <laughs> like they just what what would they they there's nothing that prepares you for that but it'll make for a very fun story for them down the road it was crazy man wow. it was the weirdest thing ever and by the second half i was just glad that like steve didn't have to keep making announcements about the vasectomy giveaway i was also very relieved to find out that they weren't going to perform this operation like on the field <laughs> i think that's how it should have gone down yeah. like you win it and we're going to do it right here right now it's part of the halftime show. yeah listen i don't have kids and even i was thinking like hey I'm, i wouldn't mind that i mean you can you can reverse a, a vasectomy but free vasectomy <laughs> that's a good deal that's that's a hell of a deal. Wow, that's um, my story about well, vasectomy giveaways. On, uh, on that note, we don't have any vasectomies to give away, but we would sure appreciate it if people rated the show on. No, Apple but we're podcast. guaranteed to make you less fertile. Wait, no, that's not good. <laughs> that's, that's right. Not, that's not going to work. <laughs> Uh, we do need people to rate the show and review us on the Apple Podcast app. It really, it really does. Uh, it does make a difference uh, in, t- in terms of who can find us, how we can get new listeners. And, you know, uh, I heard tell of a, a listener that bumped into a friend of mine in an elevator and said, hey, I've been listening to this podcast and you're 
Facebook friends with one of the hosts. If you're that person listening to the episode right now, I don't know who you are. I don't know how you found us. But if you could review the show, that would be uh, quite helpful to us. Exactly. So let's let's try and. Make and that all happen. you have to write in a little um, review is that you were marginally amused. And marginally and that's amused. It. That's, that's right. That's that is a great compliment that you would pay us, mystery person. Yes, that's right. And if you're a brand new listener to the show today and you want to hear more, you should hit that subscribe button. You know, like uh, if you're familiar with the church culture yeah. thing of like, you know, if you're a first time visitor. Don't you know? Feel free to to not uh, put any money in the offering. You know what I'm talking about, Ryan? No. You know, like when they pass the offering plate around. Is that not a thing that's happened at a church you've been to? Yeah, I know. I know about the offering plate. I've just never yeah, heard them I mean, say if you're a first yeah, if you're time a visitor, person, don't like feel don't the need you know, to. don't feel like you have to. That kind of I've heard that statement before. But let's let's but, flip. But no one should feel like they have to. That's the whole point of the offering. Is it oh. voluntary? <laughs> Except when you've got a, a lot of people staring at you while the plate passes you by, and you're like, nope, not today, Jesus. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's turn that on its head and say that even if you're a first-time listener, if you're marginally amused by it, feel free to rate us. You know, That's creating some... Yeah. Uh, you have anchored yourself to the Damage Control Podcast, and now you have a reason to keep coming back. There you go. Uh, so with that, <laughs> this is the weirdest opening chit-chat. Um, I, I, I just never anticipated we would talk about vasectomies in the opening chit chat, unless we were doing this show for like ten or fifteen more years and got to the point where we both were getting ten or fifteen years. So, um, <laughs> I guess I don't know. It just feels like a thing you do when you're in your forties. I don't know. The um, only time I th- I've ever spent any time thinking about vasectomies was related to Michael Scott and the fact that he had several, and he snip, snip, right. snip, snap. You have no idea the physical toll that four yeah. vasectomies will have exactly. on a person. Let's, let's insert yeah. that audio. I'll find that audio. And, in, and <laughs> okay. include it with next week's it, Geek though. Media Minute. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our review of Ocean's 8. Good afternoon, Miss Ocean. As you know, parole is a privilege. It's a mistake. Uh, but it, it happened. And... Um, if I were to be released, I would, um, <clears throat> I would just want the simple life. I just want to hold down a job, make some friends, you know, pay my bills. Even if this was possible, you'd need 20 people. Seven people. Why do you need to do this? Because it's what I'm good at. Okay, that was from the trailer for Ocean's 8. Here's the synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes. Upon her release from prison, Debbie, the estranged sister of legendary con man Danny Ocean, puts together a team of unstoppable crooks to pull off the heist of the century. Their goal is New York City's annual Met Gala and a necklace worth in excess of $150 million. This film is directed by Gary Ross, and it's written by Gary Ross and Olivia Milch. It stars Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, uh, not to be confused with the bottled water, uh, bottled water yes. drink. Yeah, uh, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter, Richard Armitage, and James Corden. Uh, John Ryan, uh, you love you love Ocean's Eleven. I do. You're a big fan. Yeah. This uh, and what well, was that going to branch into a question? 
Well, I was gonna. I was just gonna. I was yeah. I was gonna ask you. Uh, you know, I think it's fair to make a comparison, sure. but also, how is the movie on its own merits as well? On its own merits, it was fine. Uh, to mm-hmm. use our favorite word, that's not machinations. It was fun. <laughs> it was light. It was occasionally funny-ish. Not a whole lot of laugh-out-loud moments for me. Uh, in fact, like I think I noted within the first like half hour, there weren't just, there weren't just a whole lot of laughs in my audience at all. Not even like Snickers. Maybe a few light Snickers, sugar-free Snickers. Snickers. <laughs> um, Fun-sized yeah, exactly. Snickers. Just like little the, ones. The ones you give away on Halloween. Oh, I can't wait for Halloween. I'm so excited for the fall. Anyway. Uh, this was fine. It 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 compares very limitedly to. I'm just gonna say the original. I know that's not accurate. I know there was a version in the 1960s that we referenced in the opening featuring the Rat Pack, but I I don't. I've never yeah, seen it. We'll here's never where I'm coming it. down okay, on this because I was I've struggled I've str- I was struggling with what to say about the quote unquote the original, and I think because this movie so clearly is a. It, it is a it's reboot a continuation. In as, in as much as it's it's starting a new yeah. series, probably. But it's also directly in line and a sequel of the other ones because there are so many... It's clearly in the world of the other ones. So I think to say the original is fine because you're the original of this series. Yeah. So I think that's okay. okay. Yeah, so like it, it, it doesn't really compare to the original. Uh, it, it It's not as smooth. It lacks the same panache or flair... You know, it's there, but it's there in kind of like comparably like infinitesimally small amounts. Um, I think the 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 original is just so it's just so cool, man. Um, and this tried to do a lot of the same things. Uh, I mean, and it, it kind of probably mirrors a lot of heist movies, but you know, the same kind of uh, repeated uh, kind of music beat, you know, in the score. Uh, God, that's the best part about Ocean's Eleven, the. You know, like the bass and the sax, and it just sounds so fucking cool. I'm gonna have to find an audio sounder for that one as well. Anyway, uh, so I was trying to do some of that. I don't think. I mean, it's it's again, it doesn't have the same panache or flair. I'm gonna keep using those words as the original. Uh, what it had going for it was a really great cast. Uh, I don't think the writing was incredibly strong, uh, and so I think sometimes the the cast felt kind of underserved by its script, which I feel like is kind of the the, the common response right now. It's just it's a really marvelous cast. Like even beyond the people that you'd expect to be good, like old Sandy Bullock and Kate uh, Blanchett. Um, I also have decided that I love Helena Bottom Carter. I want to see her in more things. I want to see her range. She's such a weird character actress. Um, but I just, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I dig her presence. Um, but, you know, and you have some some newcomers. Like, I've, I've never even heard of Aquafina. It's not my go-to water brand. Um, but I never, I don't recognize that actress at all. But she was funny, and she had some really great bits. I wish they had given her more. Mindy Kaling is great, but I wish she had more to do. Uh, Anne Hathaway was was she I feel like she she turned in a solid performance anyway the cast was great but there just wasn't enough going on um and it's here's what I'll say in comparison to the original 
this iteration's like heaviest punch, it's knockout blow, not that strong in comparison. You know, like you've talked about like its highest highs and its lowest lows. Well, the highest high here is not that it doesn't really peak out very high. You know, it's it's fine, but mm-hmm. as far as like you know, the narrative arc here of like uh, you know, rising and falling action leading to a climax and then some kind of resolution, eh, it fizzles. It goes out with a whimper uh, and not so much a bang. It's fine. They do some heisty stuff that is fun. It's like, oh, cool. And there's there's breadcrumbs along the way, you know? Um, and it's fun to kind of think back to those breadcrumbs and, and try to think about what you may or may not have missed. But overall, I mean, it, it doesn't wow you like I think the first one probably did. At least did for me. I don't remember 12 or 13 as well. I know 12 wasn't good, or at least I remember that was my impression and 13 was much better. But uh, 11 is the standout for me. And yeah, this doesn't really come close. I think they could have done more with the uh, with the a- actresses, the ensemble cast that they had. So I was a little disappointed, but I still had a good time at the theater. So I'm, you know, like I'm at like three stars, probably two, 2.75, yeah. but okay. probably three. Three's fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're... I'm mostly the same page here. I think I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd, but if I could have given it three and a quarter, mm. I probably would have. Uh, just, I had a good time, and I think I found it funnier than you did, and so did my audience. My audience was laughing a lot during this movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, it does have script issues, and we'll get to some of those when we get to spoilers. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was good, not great. Um, I think it's really fun and charming, and it's breezy. Um, but it's not as like snappy as the original, you know, like it doesn't have that, that like pep or that like bounce to its step. And it, it, it tries. And sometimes some of the, 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 the heisty things in particular, the stuff that's not actually the heist, I think works pretty well. Like there's a scene, uh, and it's, it's featured pretty heavily in the trailer of Sandra Bullock getting into a hotel room, you know, like stealing some stuff and like kind of conning her way into a hotel. And I thought that scene I have worked pretty well. About that. There's another scene later that I'll share later. Okay. Uh, okay. There's also a scene where they're trying to distract Helena Bottom Carter so that she won't make eye contact with somebody. And I thought that was hilarious. Like that was so funny. Um, and I just thought it was like such a weird thing for them. I don't know. I like that. And I think, uh, there's really great performances in the movie. Like Kate Blanchett is playing a character. I don't think I've ever seen her play in a movie before, which is pretty much her MO. Like she doesn't, she's not an actress that just always plays Kate Blanchett. I don't even know who Kate Blanchett yeah. is as a person. She always plays somebody different, but I just like her character was really cool. And there's some pretty amazing sexual tension between her and Sandra Bullock that I think is very interesting. Um, I think Rihanna and Aquafina are both very good in the movie. Aquafina, in particular, I was very amused with. There's a uh, a little bit of her explaining how Tinder works to Mindy Kaling that I thought was very funny. Um, and I think Anne Hathaway also is doing like a really interesting thing. She's playing this like weird, weird like amalgam of like v- like vacuous Hollywood women, but also there's a little bit more to it there as well. It's weird. Cause it's like a really, it's, I feel like she brought a lot to the performance to a, a, a role that was probably very underwritten. So it's like, I feel like it probably is better in her version of it's just way better than what is there in the writing. Uh, Cause I don't really know if I understand what the character is about from a script standpoint, but she's just bringing so much to it. I liked it anyway. Um, there are a few plot hangups that I have that I can't really get to until spoilers, but there's a couple of things that have to do with the heist that I didn't either. One thing I didn't understand why they really did. And another thing where I feel like 
there's like two there were two p- times in this movie where I felt like they were directly aping plot beats from Ocean's Eleven the Clooney one uh, and one of them is like you know in the the Clooney one they have to they have to go steal the pinch um, there was a scene where I thought they were going to go steal the pinch and then it just like happened and it was like oh that's done already and I was like oh that's weird felt like we were on our way to go do something and all of a sudden it's over that's strange and then there's a thing that happens much later in the heist that i was like why are they doing that that's weird and it was never really explained very well um but overall i liked it and i thought the way that it connected to the original oceans trilogy and to clooney and some callbacks were to that series were really fun um i have more to say about that in spoilers about things i kind of wish they had been able to do um and i also thought james corden was very good in the movie i uh uh, I, I I don't really know what's sure. going on with James Corden these days. It felt like he was very popular for a while, and then all of a sudden everybody seemed to hate James Corden. I don't really know why. I have a theory on uh, that. I think it's because I, people realize that uh, he doesn't have a whole lot to. I mean, he's funny, and but like the 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 car karaoke, whatever it's called, that's that's his thing. Uh-huh. That's what's been popular, you know. But like beyond that. I haven't seen no. a whole lot that's he did he does more than carpool karaoke that's pretty good I mean he does like that weird like thing where they do Broadway okay. in the street um, and he's got other things on his show but just in general as a personality I find him usually pretty like kind of kind of like a light yeah. kind of charming guy um, and I thought I thought he was good in this so like I um, I, I thought, thought that it was, was weird fun. for them so, to introduce yeah, like, I mean, what seemed like a major character to the story in the last act. It just seemed that just seems weird to me. How often does that happen? Is that a something common to heist movies? It seems like the people who are on the trail of the heisters, question. the heisties, the heistians, um, they get introduced earlier, you know. And so, like in in the case of Eleven, you have Terry Benedict, and we're introduced to him early on. Well, so what you're bringing up right now is a, a, what I'm hearing as a critique of the movie uh, quite a bit, which is that there's not a ton of conflict in the movie because there's no there's no antagonist. And even James Corden's character doesn't really serve as an antagonist because he's so damn friendly and likable. Like he's not really yeah. he's not really he, the, yeah. he's not the he's villain not the and there isn't really a villain yeah. in the movie at all. Yeah, there is right. no heavy in this movie like not 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 one bit and i i i hear that and i definitely from like a structural and screenwriting perspective can see why it's a problem but i also think that there's conflict inherent in pulling off a heist and that it's to me it was i mean maybe if there had been a heavy or a villain of some kind this would have been a bit better i don't know but i kind of didn't even think about it until afterwards and i was looking at what people were kind of reacting to and i was like oh yeah i guess there wasn't a villain didn't even occur to me when i was watching it um, but, uh, like, I don't know that you need that Terry mm. Benedict character, um, to, to make it work. I mean, the Terry Benedict character totally works in Ocean's Eleven, but, uh, I'm trying, I need, I would need to sit down and think of other heist movies if there are other ones that don't really have a villain and it's more just about, like, uh, yeah. Cause I guess usually you've got, if it's not uh, someone like the Terry Benedict character, I'm thinking of like Heat, you've got the Al Pacino character as a cop who's after them the whole time. And so there's that direct conflict all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would yeah. even think about it more, but, um, but yeah, but overall I think this is fun. Like, I think if you, if you want a good, good, like, uh, like a, a, 
like a light Saturday matinee at the movies and have a good time, you will have a good time watching this movie. Uh, it's not like I just rewatched Ocean's Eleven the other day because it'd been like at least ten years since I'd seen it, and Ocean's Eleven is like a five star movie, and this isn't a five star movie. This is like a three three. Like I gave it three and a half stars. It's it's in that more in that range, um, but I would be happy to watch more of this cast Agreed. with a better script. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see if they continue, you know, if they continue on. If it makes enough money, I assume, uh, maybe they'll make they'll make a sequel. Yeah. But and, and I think the cast is strong enough to uh, to car- to carry a, an extended run here. I just yeah, there's just, the script wasn't that enticing. Yeah, hang on a second. Oh, it's actually opening a little bit higher than the Clooney. Uh, it's it's opening to like forty one million dollars this bad. weekend, probably. And the Clooney one opened to thirty eight million dollars. Now that's in two thousand one dollars, so I don't know what that sure. is. Sure, and I also that. like want to point. I mean, not to say that Clooney. Well, I got to think about this. This might be an asinine statement. It's an asinine statement. I was trying to think of like when that happened, and 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 you know how far along were Clooney and Brad Pitt? But they were they were still they were at the kind of height of their powers. I mean, that's like early introduction. Well, that, that movie certainly rocketed. Them I think to the so. Yeah, and then powers. you know Matt Damon. Yeah, I mean he'd won a fucking Oscar at that point, but he uh, he still like you hadn't seen him in a whole lot, and so it was fun to see him in that role. Um, but yeah, no, I yeah. mean it's interesting that it didn't make yeah. that. No, much. It, you know, it, it's it, that's not an asinine plot. It's not an asinine. Uh, Thank you. Not plot point because if you think of if, when you think back to er, Clooney's early movie career, it was actually like this weird series of flops that he was in over and over again until he finally like I think it was Ocean's Eleven and then after Ocean's Eleven a few things. But if you think about like, like his '90s movies movie career was like One Fine Day with Michelle Pfeiffer, which is I think a good Ooh, movie, but Kings, it was not right? well received. The piece. That's a Three Kings, but that became a, a cult movie. hit later. It did not open. That movie did not mm. was not well received. Uh, you've got the Peacemaker with Nicole Kidman. You've got Oof. Batman and Robin. Like uh, it wasn't until he was in Out of Sight, which was also a Soderbergh movie, which was I think ninety eight, and then uh, you had Ocean's Eleven, and then all of a sudden his movie career took off. It was like he was always a movie star, but he was in financially not successful movies and oftentimes poorly reviewed movies until the 2000s so you're right like he he didn't have the draw but that cast uh was also a draw to that movie beyond Clooney because Brad Pitt was always financially successful Matt Damon you know he was either fresh off of the Born Identity or it was right before because they came out right before is my my Um, thinking but I might be wrong on that okay yeah I think the difference the major difference between the original and this one this new version you know like we have fewer primary characters so we get to spend more time with them i think but like when i think back to the original mm-hmm. and i think of like these really like standout moments of especially like in the putting the team together sequences i, I don't those 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 instances in that first one are so iconic to me that there was no this one has more like comedic sensibilities but again i don't, I don't think it it definitely didn't like punch above its weight like i didn't think it was that funny um so this one, it still had stronger comedic sensibilities, but man, those the, those introductory moments and the time spent, like like I think with, you know, when Don Cheadle comes back and he's covered in shit, you know, like that is such a great moment. The like the writing is not meant to like, oh yeah, I'm rolling on the the floor laughing my ass off, but like it was still just such a brilliant moment. And there was a lot of those in the first one. The uh, the tech guy who like sweats so much, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just there was so much great character detail and like the things that they did they set them up in these great situations and this one it was like we have a great cast 
and we try to give them kind of funny backgrounds, funny-ish backgrounds. But beyond that, and the Tinder moment was great, but then beyond that, there just wasn't a whole lot there. Yeah. Uh, I have one last thing to say before we get to spoilers, uh, and I think it's, uh, I think the, the, this, the script issues are there no matter who you are, probably. But I think one thing that might make up for it for some folks is the setting and the surroundings of the movie. Like, I don't really care that much about the Met Gala, and I don't really have an eye for fashion or would be interested in, like, really cool dresses. But there is amazing fashion in this movie, and there's lots of, like, Met Gala celebrity culture stuff. And so I think if you're into that, that may elevate this movie for you a little bit, just because it would be like, if you if you set this exact same thing, like, at the Oscars or something I'm more interested in, I might have... But like had a little bit more buy-in just to the overall thing than I did having it at the Met Gala. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, that's a great point. And I, I mean, I think that appeals to a, a female audience, which is something they were obviously trying to do with an yeah. all-female cast. Um, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I think that's also maybe a reason why the first one did feel more cool and had more panache and flair because it's set in Vegas, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just kind of fits in with the overall vibe of the movie. But yeah, no, I think that's a, a solid, a solid and astute uh, point and piece of analysis. Ryan, good job. Thank you. All right, let's get to spoilers. Warning, the following section of the Damage Control Podcast contains spoilers. Any listener who has not seen the film or films being discussed proceeds at their own risk and waives their right to any future complaints that host John and Ryan ruined the movie for them. Those that ignore this warning and choose to complain anyway will be labeled as big dum-dums and will be treated with extreme derision. Please be advised. <laughs> So the thing the movie should have done and would have really landed super cool and like really landed well with me at the very end is if we could have even just gotten a silhouette of Clooney standing behind her because they're so heavily leaning on the fact that he might still be alive. It comes up a lot in the movie. Um, Help me out though. Like I don't remember 13 at all. There's no... this is all extra textual that he died, right? We never saw yeah, anything. It all it all happens that? like off screen or something. Like I don't. Okay. Yeah, but like they're just they're leaning on it pretty hard. And what I really thought was going to happen is he was going to pop up behind her and say like, "What yep. you didn't bring one for me?" Right. He, she's got that that martini. Or I something. thought I I I called it. I put in the call, man. Like I have never been so bold. But I was like I was like Clooney cameo calling it. Um, in that moment when she comes in, she starts pouring herself that martini. And I whiffed on it hard. I thought he was for sure going to come in and like grab her drink and take a sip and maybe not yeah. even say anything. And that would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, man, instead I, I swung in that pitch so hard and spun myself around. Yeah. Well, it just like, it would have, it, it just would have been a really cool moment and it would have been a great way to sell us on, Oh, we're going to do another one of these, you know, and yeah. we're going to get Sandra Bullock and George Clooney to team up. And this time they won't be in space. Um, that's a reference to the movie gravity. Um, I get it now. That was a good movie. I like Gravity. Yeah, it was. Uh, But I did like the other callbacks. Like, I liked that Saul was in the movie. I thought that was fun and unexpected. And then the the Chinese guy, I can't remember his name. Uh, I really wasn't expecting that. Uh, I mean, I was pretty sure they were going to rob all, steal all those necklaces because why the fuck wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know how you're going to fence the crown crown jewels, but. I have an issue with the grease, with our grease man. Because I feel like at some point, Sandy—that's what you call him, the Grease Man. Okay. Yeah, that's what he is. 
we got our grease man um at some point sandy's character says something i'm gonna call her that because we're close personal friends um doesn't she live i in referred Texas? to her I, I referred to her as sandy in my notes that's really funny that you said okay that. there you go it's just weird calling her sandra sandra <laughs> uh this woman i've had a crush on since uh you know right about the time Demolition, i discovered man. my sexuality <laughs> anyway wow yeah her and nicole kidman they were they were all there at the beginnings of my beginnings anyway <laughs> where was i what was i saying you were gonna say something about oh, something she man. said and how it yeah. makes the grease man she, thing not work she uh, makes a very clear point by by saying that she isn't looking for dudes you know she doesn't want dudes on the team right they're going through possible hackers i think or something when they're uh, just the team, team members montage. yeah but she and says she makes that a because... very clear point that she doesn't want mm-hmm. any dudes on the team do you remember why she doesn't want any dudes on the team no not really because it's the met gala and men will stand out and women will blend in because there's lots of women around at the met oh, gala yeah, that was, yeah, okay and when you're being wheeled in in a cart and no one's supposed to see you then it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman yeah i felt like cheating though i didn't like it i didn't like uh <laughs> i didn't like it one bit hmm uh, so the thing, the, the two, the, the two plot things that really like irked me, the the thing that I thought was going to be the pinch moment where they had to do like a small heist to make the real heist work was to figure out that magnet, right? Like, uh, the the magnet that opens the the thing. No, and, it's okay, and, man. We have a little sister who can take take care of everything. It's fine. Well, that's what I don't. It's, it's so weird because it's like, oh, we need this magnet. This isn't going to work without the magnet. And then all of a sudden, they're all in a van wearing black, like they're about to go do something. And I even wrote in my notes, oh, the magnet is the pinch. And I thought we were going to get a short, like, quick thing of them breaking in somewhere to steal a, a, the magnet. But then all of a sudden, that this woman, the sister, just pops up and she stole it. Or I don't no, even she, know. She made it. She's like a she's she like a Tony it. Stark. I just like it was very confusing to me what was even happening in that moment and then they just had it and I was like oh I guess we're done with that that was weird not great um so so I wasn't a big fan of that and then um I'm still not entirely sure why they needed to break that necklace down like why Mindy Kaling needed to sit there in that bathroom and uh, like break it all apart except for like plot reasons but i don't even really know why plot reasons it was necessary except to have suspense and to very easily get a piece of that diamond one of those diamonds on the the guy to plant it on him but like what maybe it's just my misunderstanding of how it was going to work but i i thought the whole reason they needed mindy kaling was so that she could very quickly make them a replica of the necklace and so they would like take the necklace from uh, Anne Hathaway and then she would maybe swap out the diamonds for the zirconia or I don't know what it was, but like, why did they even need a jeweler to like, just basically use some wire cutters or something to like pop off all those diamonds. And like, I don't, I don't understand what that was or why her character sure. was necessary to that. Um, it wasn't communicated very clearly. Um, I, if anything, I guess it could make sense that like, it, for them to because you know then they bring in the the older actresses that are you know like selling the the diamonds you know basically yeah. laundering the diamonds as best they can and i guess that's where it it made sense you know so that way like yeah how, but like, how else are they gonna i know what you mean you mean like why are they having to do it right then yeah yeah plot because plot reasons <laughs> like if they already had the replica necklace, they could have just 
snuck the necklace out one way or the other and then broken it down later. Yeah, Except I mean, that they need to get at least one of those diamonds onto the guy. Yeah, but it's they just also could those, have planted it on him differently. I don't know. I think it's the aspects of heist movies. It's like okay, there's probably not enough room to explain these things. The other thing that like when when it kind of was revealed that the heist was more than what we thought it was, and they stole all these other jewels. Uh, I was like, all right, cool, but now. How, how are they going to sell all those and then yeah. how, how are they going to launder the money so that they don't you know and maybe i've been watching too much breaking bad or whatever but like seriously <laughs> you need saul goodman here to take care of this for you because there's no way that it's going to make any sense to the irs and now you're like hey whoa 30 million dollars in the bank i'm doing just fine you know well i mean they could just like paul manafort it and have offshore accounts with money in it or something careful careful with those words <sighs> <laughs> we'll, end, we'll end up in the sights of the Russians. They'll find us, Ryan. Uh, I had a question, unless you're still bringing up plot points that you don't like. No, those those were the two big questions I had, those two moments. Okay. So we've got, in the original, we've got Danny and we've got Russ, Brad Pitt's character. Who's, okay, yes. And they're both supremely likable people, right? Danny's a... a a convicted felon at this point but you just get this i don't know like cool sincerity from him you know he's a con man but he's likable he's got a heart of gold yeah and then the only thing that we see brad pitt's character doing you know is that he's running a a, a poker game with like teen movie stars with, and it's with a Topher great, grace and joshua yeah. jackson who are playing themselves in the right. movie <laughs> and they're terrible at poker and he's making money off them but it's hilarious and it's very it's a very charming sequence and it doesn't make you dislike brad pitt's character at all i thought what they did with um what's her name sandy's character debbie oh yeah debbie and lou kate blanchett's character made him a little unlikable i think more so with with sandy because here she is like she's just out of prison and she becomes she starts doing things that like hey that's kind of actually despicable like well i mean shoplifting that's fine i thought that bit was kind of okay but then like she ends up grifting on i don't know if that's the right word it just seems like the right word to use but grifting on somebody's hotel room uh and that just seems kind of like all right that's i mean i know it's stupid to call a criminal unethical but it just made me like not like her as much you know it's like it made her hmm. slightly unlikable and then we get Lou's character and Lou's so fucking cool the whole time but here she is running a bar and having them water down well vodka that doesn't make me like her at all it makes me dislike her and so it's like those they, are really weird complaints, my friend. No, I just for one as thing, far, no, as far every as bar care, you go to waters down their liquor. So I mean, like she's no, a bartender, whole, she's, she's running a bar. That's the whole point of well, well liquor. It doesn't need to be watered down because it's cheap as shit. Um, and that's what you get for drinking well. Uh, anyway, I, I, I think just as far as character development goes, since those are like the their early points of int- you know like of, of introduction to these characters I, I i wrote it down i was like unlikable crooks is what they start them off as they get more likable as the as the story goes on but i i, I thought it was inauspicious beginnings i'm not feeling you at all on either of these points i could make because for one thing the shoplifting she's so expertly like uses their own return policy against them to steal that stuff that I was like, that's cool. 
Um, the hotel thing, maybe, if only because those people that she scammed an extra night on their card card didn't do anything to her. But exactly, I don't know. She it's seems like the kind of person of who like is stealing people's identities and and running up their credit card bills. Like, that's a real thing yeah. that um, yeah, it makes I mean, me sad. It is. But also, you know, if you, once you figure that out, the All credit right. card company Ryan don't hold Ferguson you very for forgiving it. of common <laughs> criminals. Well. I'm just saying, like, it's not like she murdered. You use the word despicable. Like, murder is despicable. No, I, I don't, I don't know I if... Yes, you did. You literally used the word despicable. Well, I'm going to have to run back um, that tape. I'm not sure I did. I said unlikable. <laughs> I will I will cut it back in right now. She starts doing things that, like, hey, that's kind of actually despicable. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the. I mean, she, she preyed on an innocent person at the hotel. I guess that's not cool. Um... It seems fairly innocuous because I would imagine they can get that, you know, it's really more of a crime against the hotel because the hotel is going to end up having to pay for it. Um, the watering down of the liquor, you find that on, like, that just to me is like, no, if but anything, it's, it's our first. Hold on, hold on, hold um, on, hold on. You asked me If a anything, it's, it's hold, if anything, it's like weirdly small potatoes for her to be doing. Like the, okay. the the poker game scamming the movie stars, at least he's making bank on that. I don't know how much money you're really making from watering down vodka. Like that's a thing bartenders or bar owners do to like is like a cost saving measure. I don't know that they're making money on it that much. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know that much about watering down liquor, but I can't imagine you make that much on it um, as a scam. Like it's not your main source of income. Um but uh yeah okay what were you gonna say oh okay now you're done uh yeah i mean yeah yeah a small potatoes is probably accurate i'm just thinking like as far as the links that you go to introduce these characters and like these are our two primary protagonists i i, I don't know i expect more and i definitely don't want to i don't want them to toe the line of unlikability that seems like a, a bad call to begin with and yeah i think but i think the small potatoes point is is a good point like uh she's not really convincing me that she's like a a solid well-versed crook you know if, if this is what she's doing she's running a bar and she's watering down the vodka like it seems kind of lame but it doesn't do much to set up her character yeah i mean i that that is a that is i mean it's the criticism i brought up so of course i agree with it i i it never once made me feel like i didn't like them because of those two introductions yeah and i think back to the original and like danny ocean is is robbing someone who is very unlikable so you know because you know you never get a good vibe off of terry benedict and so it's like all right i can dig this guy he's got a robin hood vibe to him and in some ways, I mean, it, that that's not happening here at all, right? They're trying to steal the Toussaint, this diamond Cartier necklace that it's not like I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, take that Cartier, you sons of bitches. You know, like that's that's not happening here. <laughs> um, and so like yeah. instead, like it's it doesn't have that Robin Hood feel. And then at the beginning, you have Sandra Bullock's character doing some things that don't set her up in that kind of in that light to where she seems like okay yeah yeah she's a criminal but i appreciate her own like moral code that she has going on here I, I which is what i got with danny i did not get with her yeah i guess i see what you're saying oh, it's just the, i got the, there the, baby the, i i take your point it's just none of the things that she did made me not like her 
Like they weren't, they, she didn't cross a, a line into like, oh, she's kind of a terrible person. You know, like in, in heist movie world, they were pretty innocuous. No, I agree. Again, she didn't shoot somebody in the head or kidnap somebody. It, it, so Is this where you're supposed to accuse me of being sexist for for having a uh, harsh standard for the for the female leads versus the male? I wasn't going to do that, but if uh, if, if, the, if, if the that's shoe where fits, you want to go. No. I, don't, yeah. I don't think that had anything to do with it, but it was just something I thought about. All right. Uh, I think the last thing I had is just that I like that we got to hear Sandra Bullock speak German because I, I've known forever that she does, but I don't know that I've ever really heard her do it in a movie. Oh, yeah, Sandy and I speak um, in German to each other all the time uh, in our I'm many sure do. phone it's, conversations that we have. It's your, it's your dream. You make it as big as you want, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd be very curious to see, did the like opening, the few opening shots when it's like her um, – I don't know what you call that parole parole hearing. Thank you. I I want to do a a shot by shot comparison because it it felt eerily similar to the way they they shot the the, the original. No, it's actually pretty different. I just watched it oh, and wow. so wow, thanks. That, uh, you're getting a you're getting a straight on image of Sandra Bullock, and if I'm not mistaken, the the one for Danny Ocean is kind of more of a it's not quite a profile because you still see the front of his face, but it's it's more to the left. Uh, and also it's in like a very dark room and he's got like a really like awful haircut and beard. And if anything, I thought Sandra Bullock was probably wearing a little too much makeup in that parole scene That's for someone that's in prison. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. All right. You're being sexist. Uh, that's what that is. <laughs> well, it was like, it was almost like they, she was wearing makeup, but like, like movie makeup to try to mask the fact that she's not supposed to be wearing makeup, but they've got a ton of foundation on her yeah, or something. That's a lot. Um, yeah. Uh, which like, I'm not criticizing the use of makeup. Go for it. It just seemed weird in the context of the scene that she was obviously wearing makeup and her hair was very awesome after she, she got out of like prison. And I was like, hair. yeah, like. She, she yeah, and I good. was like, how did she like her? And it looked different after she got out than it did when she was in. I think it did anyway. And I was like, man, she uh, she didn't just put on her whatever dress she came in on. She like took a minute to do her hair too. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, as far yeah. as like villains in air quotes, because there really wasn't one. Richard Armitage's character. <sighs> He's the the art dealer guy, right? Yeah, but you know, like he gets screwed, which is cool. But I don't think they did a good enough job setting up the situation that landed her in prison. Like it, it, it made yeah. it didn't make as much sense to me. I was like, wait, what happened? What exactly? She signed. She shouldn't have signed. What did she sign? What is this? What is happening? So yeah, as far as like yeah, this, yeah, that was, that was you know, confusing. the the Montreal screw job here. Like I just didn't get a great sense of it. That was a wrestling reference, by the way. It's not really going to matter to you, but I just want to explain myself. Uh, anyway, I <laughs> I just didn't want it to leave it out there. It's not like an Easter egg for somebody else to find. I just didn't want you to think that I'm having a stroke or something and bringing up weird Canadian places. Um, anyway, I yeah, I just it, that didn't resonate with me because it's like, okay, yeah, we got him back. Now he's going to prison, that fucker. But it's, I just didn't have a whole... I mean, the animosity wasn't there. They didn't make him out as much a villain as much as he should have been, right? Like, he should have been despicable, I think, to use that word that you claimed that I used earlier. She starts doing things that, like, hey, that's kind of actually despicable. Like, like he should have not... Like, mistreated Anne Hathaway's character. That would have made me be even more excited for the likelihood that he ends up in prison. Hmm. Yeah, they need that. to give me and you a crack at writing 
number two. We'll deliver a, a strong screenplay. If 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 you, if you and I can do nothing else, we can deliver a solid number two. <laughs> I tossed up that beach ball for you, didn't I? That was pretty good. You did. That was pretty good. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, I think that's probably good for our review. Is that? Are we good? Yeah. Right, we can wrap it up. Sure. We can talk about All vasectomies right. some more if you want to. That's <laughs> okay. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of the Damage Control Podcast. What's next? An all new damage report, which probably won't feature a Geek Media Minute. Uh, no, the no. close, cl- the closing. I don't know why I was going to say the closing. The words closing blurb out loud. Um, our theme song is <laughs> Kaiju by Tribe One. <laughs> you can check him out on Twitter at Tribe One One. That's Tribe O N E W O N. And listen to his music at tribeone.bandcamp.com. And with some final thoughts, here's John. I'm not really sure if I want to rewatch season one of Luke Cage. Season two comes out in a little less than two weeks, I believe, and. Yeah, we don't bother. We'll be Just reviewing it on this very podcast, and I feel like I should do my due diligence, like I have done so many times before, and rewatch season one. But I'm just not feeling it. I just don't really want to. I mean, I just don't want to let read the Wikipedia. I don't want to let the. I don't want to let the listeners down. I don't want to do it. There's nothing to let them down on. It if you, like, you don't need to rewatch it. All right, thank you, thank you, Geppetto. No problem. After the earth-shattering, I'm a real boy. <laughs> why did you just call me? Because you're my, you're After my the earth sh- Oh, but that's not Geppetto. That's um. Oh fuck, Jiminy uh, Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. I got confused. I haven't seen Pinocchio in many, many moons. <laughs> After the earth-shattering conclusion, once justice is served, when at the last possible moment the world is again saved from the very brink of destruction, we'll be here to pick up the pieces. He's John. I'm Ryan. This has been the Damage Control Podcast. Thanks for listening. Game over, man. Game over. Free vasectomies for all.